0: Join RezU in thoughtful conversations that will pique your curiosity and expand your mind. Reju's thought leadership and partners will introduce unique ideas and ways that help listeners make choices that are influential, mindful, and impactful. <laughs> I feel miserable tonight. Yeah, and I'm also got a scratchy throat. Hello, and welcome to Thinking Out Loud, a podcast hosted by Resurrection University. We're talking about what we don't look forward to every fall or winter, cold and flu season. I'm Dr. Tree Scanlon, president of Resurrection University and your host. Joining me today is Dr. Christine Totes, assistant professor in the College of Health Sciences at Resurrection University. Welcome, Chris.
1: Hi, Therese. Thanks for having me. Sure.
0: So, there's lots of myths out there about colds, right? Tons. don't go out of the house with wet hair in the winter because you'll catch a cold. Don't go out of the house when it's cold outside, right after you've taken a shower because your pores are open. You'll catch a cold. Are any of these true?
1: So in the in the double blind placebo controlled American study of colds and flus, no. Okay. However, in Chinese medicine, yes. Ah, okay. <laughs> so in Chinese medicine, um, your lung which is prone to invasion of coughs and colds or viruses and bacteria help to open and close your pores. And so if you've taken a hot shower and your pores are open and and you go outside, you can literally be more vulnerable to, quote, catch a cold, unquote. So if I go outside
0: after a hot shower and I have wet hair... So my pores are open and I have wet hair. I'm really doomed, huh?
1: Double deal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what really is a cold and, and what causes it? Sure. Colds are commonly viruses, and there's over 100 different viruses that can cause the common cold. The most common one is rhinovirus. But bacteria as well can cause a cold, um, but that's more along the lines of things like strep throat or whooping cough or things along that line. A little more serious where you a need a, a, potentially an antibiotic. You might Some antibiotics, yeah, it's
0: possible. So is there a natural remedy for a cold?
1: So the biggest, you know, people ask me this question actually all the time, like, you know, is there anything that I can do to prevent colds? And your biggest prevention for colds is actually lifestyle and lifestyle choices of making sure that you're getting enough sleep, making sure that you're managing your stress, because we've all seen this, whether Mm -hmm. it's, you know, you have college-age children or or you have big presentations at jobs, and the minute that stress level starts to come down, oh, yeah. people get sick. Yeah. And this happens all the time. Once once your stress hormones drop and your immune system's already depleted, so you don't have that extra capability to fight, mm-hmm. then you have a tendency to be more prone to get viral infections. So let's say you
0: are got this big presentation at work, your mm-hmm. stress level's high, you're running at uh, full speed, mm-hmm. and what do you do before it drops so that
1: you don't get sick?
0: Uh, okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe there is nothing, but... <laughs>
1: well, so the tough part is is that some of the things that we use for treatment in the natural medicine world can be used for prevention. Okay. Um, the dosing is obviously different. So things along the line of elderberry syrup, higher dosing in vitamin C, Um, Some of your antioxidants are helpful for that as well. What about D3? Vitamin D is amazing, actually. Vitamin D is a general immune booster Mm -hmm. that I encourage most people to use. The tough part is, is that you have to make sure that vitamin D is dosed appropriately for you. There's all different information that we can give you in terms of vitamin D. and. What The biggest thing you need to know is two factors. Number one, what is your vitamin D level? And your doctor can check that for you. Sure. It's a simple blood test. Simple blood test. And the second thing that you need to know is how well do you absorb vitamin D? Because vitamin D is a fat-soluble vitamin, meaning it usually needs to be taken with some type of fat, which also means that you need to be able to digest fat well. Hmm. But then there's also specific receptors um, that are vitamin D receptors that some people have manipulation for. So I have some patients that I will put on very large doses of vitamin D somewhere along the lines of ten thousand I use a day, which, you know, many people in the medical field look at me like I'm crazy when I give people this dose of vitamin D, but When we do that, what I'm doing is I'm monitoring their blood levels. And sometimes those people need that much of a dose because they have genetic manipulations that don't let them absorb vitamin D well. How do you know if you have the genetic manipulation? You have to be tested. So some Mm -hmm. people do things like 23andMe or other genetic tests, but you can have those tests done at most labs as well. So the same lab that you're using to draw vitamin D levels, Mm -hmm. they can also check for some of the genetic manipulations as well. And
0: would uh, a medical doctor, osteopathic doctor understand this if I went into the office and said, I need to get my D checked, but I also need to know if I have a manipulation in my
1: Um, Some might. You know, I mean, this is more of a a world of emerging medicine that we call functional medicine, Mm -hmm. where we're starting to integrate people's specific genetics into how we're treating them. Um, Genetics have been studied pretty extensively in areas of cancer and GI health. And when typical treatments aren't working, then a lot of times cancer markers will get pulled. And those are usually genetic markers that Mm -hmm. they're looking for. But some of this is starting to get used now in more mainstream medicine for uh, for wellness and prevention. Besides functional medicine, is this called personalized medicine
0: or a, a, what kind of practitioner would you go to to get this kind of work?
1: Um, a lot of them are called functional medicine practitioners okay. or integrative medicine practitioners is another term that okay. commonly gets thrown around. Um, and you just want somebody that is open to doing a very personalized plan for you. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm all in support of of research-based studies, but we also need to be taking the person's individual health into account when we couple that together with the research. Right. Because it seems like many uh, medical doctors are
0: one size fits all right now, right now.
1: It's common. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's a reason we make jokes and call it practicing medicine, right? Because if everybody was exactly the same, our job would be very boring. Oh, exactly. Yeah. 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 So back to colds for a second. Mm -hmm. So
0: Is there a difference in uh, a natural remedy for a cold in an infant versus a child versus an elderly person?
1: Um, Many of the natural remedies actually can be used in both um, young children Mm -hmm. as well as in elderly people. It's just the dosing is going to change.
0: What about infants? Um, Because that's a little different, I think, right?
1: uh, Yes and no. I mean, we can still, you know, and if the infant is breastfeeding, we can always give some of these remedies to the mom. A lot of that crosses through the breast milk. Mm -hmm. Or it can be droppered into bottles and liquid forms. Mm -hmm. You know, the big concern is is if we're using a liquid or a powder and the carrier of it is honey, we have to make sure that that the child is one year or older to avoid possibilities of botulinum toxin poisoning. And that's the big concern that they're worried about, is that there's botulism spores. Mm -hmm. in honey that could affect the nervous system in tiny doses in little kids. So I know we've talked about elderberry
0: syrup a lot Mm -hmm. um, in the past. And that is one that I think you like using with children in particular and and adults. But I'm assuming that if you were going to go buy elderberry syrup at the store... Whatever store you choose, mm-hmm. that it would it would hopefully tell you in the ingredients if it had honey or not. Yes,
1: very much so. Yeah. Okay, so, and a lot of the the a lot of the liquid ones sometimes are glycerin based, okay, which are completely safe to give to kids. But some of them have honey in them, so if if you were a less than one year old child, mm-hmm.
0: you were going to give it to you, want to make sure there's no honey in no it at honey. all and. Anybody a little bit older than one, not so much of a big yep, deal. Yep,
1: exactly. Have at it. And so some of the good some of the good mixtures of elderberry... There's a lot of people that make their own elderberry syrup at home, sure. by the way, because you can buy elderberries um, from some reputable sites that will send you fresh elderberries and you can boil them down, but you have to make sure that they're being cooked appropriately as well. So I'm all like, you know, buy the one in the store right. that's organic and that's, you know, well-processed and we know... It has uh, the active ingredients in it that we're looking for. Okay. In order to prevent a cold,
0: is there anything that we should be doing? I know we talked a little bit about lifestyle, but is there a vitamin or supplement we should be taking now because our co-workers, you know, got a cold in the cube next to us or the office next to us?
1: <laughs> and it sounds really weird, but um, I'm a, I am a proponent of uh, facial masks. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, actually, and I know that sounds weird, but the face masks are actually supposed to be worn by the people that are sick. Ah. And so the, the joke is, is that, you know, I mean, have a face mask and, you know, if your co-worker's sneezing and coughing all over like politely reach over and hand them a face mask and be like, for everyone's protection. <laughs> Please don't make us sick. Don't right? make us sick. But, um, you know, I mean, uh, I think that a lot of a lot of things get thrown to the wayside where we're talking about taking things, but in the lifestyle world, like, hand-washing is huge. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and a lot of people like to discount hand-washing. So always tell people, you know, sing happy birthday to yourself twice while you're washing your hands. Make sure you get between your fingers and the backs of your hands because everybody just wants to do their palm. Right. And that's it. But um, hand-washing is the biggest preventer of the spread of germs. Like My husband likes to tease me because every time I come home after I get off public transportation, I just walk straight in the house and I wash my hands. And he's like, what are you doing? And I was like, well, I just got off the train and God knows what I've touched. <laughs> oh, exactly. I mean, when I go
0: into office buildings, I do the same thing because mm-hmm. you don't know who's touching that elevator button, right? I mean, mm-hmm. and that's
1: where a lot of the germs are. Correct. Correct. So same you, Same with restaurant menus. like
0: Or the shopping cart at the grocery store or anything like that. You have to be really careful. They got
1: those little wipies now. Yeah, yeah, there is that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but the then you're touching all the counters and all that oh, stuff. All the I mean, stuff,
1: yes. And let's not lie; I want to touch all the food because that's how I roll. <laughs> <laughs> there you go.
0: So, are colds super contagious? Little contagious? Uh, tell us a little bit about contagions.
1: So the, deary, the, the, the deal is, is right. We have the germ theory, mm-hmm. right? And so we could put ten people in a room. Mm-hmm. And depending upon the status of that person's immune system, we could put either a, a slightly weak or a moderate level virus in there and 30 percent of the people are going to get sick. Okay. So it's based really off of the status of your immune system. It's not to say that, you know, viruses or bacteria don't cause disease. But why is it that some people get the disease and some people don't? Sure. And that's the status of their immune system.
0: Is there a way to, besides being exposed to somebody who's sick, know if your immune system is where it's supposed to be?
1: I wish there was Right. Yeah, I mean that, that's no. one of those sad things that we don't we haven't figured out yet in, in healthcare, right? No, I mean there are markers that we can draw and check for immune system um, capability, right? But A, they're really expensive, it's super cost prohibitive, and we only do that for people that have like long term chronic conditions like Lyme disease or chronic fatigue, where we're trying to look at what is are our treatments working. Can we watch these markers drop to say that they're their immune state? Is getting better. Mm -hmm.
0: You know, we always have those people who come to work when they're sick.
1: Always. And and
0: have you, I mean, in your practice, have you? asked people why do they go to work sick?
1: All the time. Well, my personal favorite is is I always feel bad for the people at the nail salon and at the hair salon Mm. because everybody like, oh, I feel bad. I'm going to go get a massage, which FYI, you should not get a massage when you're sick. Um, You can actually make things a little bit worse unless you're going to get lymphatic drainage or you're getting sinus acupressure or something like that. Um, and if you tell your massage therapist you're sick, they will send you home. Mm-hmm. Um, but people go and get their hair done, <laughs> yeah. get their nails done. And I was like, why are you sharing your germs? Like, just stay home. Sleep, hydration, mm-hmm. some supplementation. These are the biggest things that are probably going to help you. So just if you're sick, stay home.
0: So is the old wives tale about chicken noodle soup really true with helping you get the, the cold flushed out of your system or uh, alleviating the symptoms?
1: So the interesting thing is that if you think about, um, I mean, if you cook, right, and you mm-hmm. make chicken soup, right? So we've got the chicken, hopefully we've got some bones in there because mm-hmm. that's going to help with the bone broth. But what do you have in there? You have onions, you have rosemary, you have a lot of the herbs and spices that are actually antimicrobial mm-hmm. within the soup. So when you cook all of that together, it makes it an easily digestible, easily assimilated relatable. Um, basically powerhouse of antioxidants to help you fight a cold and fight a flu. And if you are congested, one of the worst things that you can do is drink really cold things or things with ice in them Mm -hmm. because that makes the secretions in your nose and in your lung thicker and it makes it harder for them to get out. Mm -hmm. So if you drink hot teas or you drink hot soup or you eat hot soup, that'll kind of loosen things up a little bit as well.
0: So those of us who are not great
1: cooks Mm -hmm. and we're
0: not going to go and get the whole chicken and, you know, boil Mm -hmm. it and whatnot. <laughs> um, we can buy bone broth over the counter, right? Yes, and, can. and start from there totally. and add your vegetables and whatnot totally. to, to get the same kind of effect. Completely. You don't necessarily want to buy the canned soup because it's got all the sodium and all that stuff, right? right? Yeah. Um, so you'd be better off getting the bone broth and kind of throwing some vegetables in there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's switch to the next nasty thing that we deal with is flu, right? Mm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, everybody gets, you know, really afraid at this time of the year that, you know, the flu is coming and, you know, it's doom and gloom and all that good stuff. So can you explain to us a little bit about what really is the flu and sure. what causes it?
1: Sure. So the flu is a viral infection and there's there's two major kinds. There's influenza A and influenza B. The flu is going to give you symptoms very similar to a cold, um, except uh, for most of my people that end up with the flu, um, I'll ask them, I'll like, do you feel like you've been beaten around the body with a bat? Mm-hmm. And so they get a lot of, of aches and sore that comes with that. But the tough part with the flu is that the flu can quickly progress in people that are immunocompromised into things like bronchitis and or pneumonia. Mm.
0: So how do you know you have the flu? I mean, is that, is the difference, the feeling like you, I say, get hit by a truck Mm -hmm. Um, and you have a fever um, because you don't usually get a fever with a a cold. Not, not commonly. Right. Um, Unless you have uh, an ear infection or something sure. that goes along with it. So, really, what is it that that is the true
1: symptoms of of the flu? The true telltale of your flu is going to get swabbed. You got oh, to get you got to get you got mm-hmm. to get, get tested to make sure it's the flu because cold and flu symptoms look really similar. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, in the natural medicine world, the treatment's still the same. It's still a viral infection. Mm-hmm. So, what we need to do is we need to mount an immune response to be able to fight that off. And you can fight off the flu. You know, but you have to catch it early, and you have to jump on it early. I've had patients that you know will turn around and tell people, "I want you to take a thousand milligrams of vitamin C every hour until you get soft stool," and they'll take like two or three thousand milligrams, and they're like, "Well, I took that vitamin C," and I'm like, "Not enough." I've seen people sometimes, in order to get soft stool, if they are vitamin C deficient, have to go upwards of forty to fifty grams. Ooh, that that seems it's like a, a lot. But... It's a giant dose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a huge dose. But if it's going to help knock out
0: the symptoms in the, in the flu. So, so let's talk about cold and flu together. If you are feeling like you're getting something coming on and Mm -hmm. you don't know whether it's going to be the cold or it's going to be the flu, what's the first thing that you do in order to kind of mitigate the the situation?
1: Sure. So the first thing I usually have people do is, is kind of move into, um, pushing hydration. Mm -hmm. So whether that's non-caffeinated teas, um, and water, chicken soup if you're Mm -hmm. or veggie soup if you're vegetarian Um, because it's still it's still the antioxidant herbs that are in there Mm -hmm. and then I know this sounds really weird but I highly encourage people to neti pot I was going to ask you about yeah, that. Yeah, I'm a big lover of the neti pot. Mm-hmm. And the reason is, is because both of the rhinovirus, rhino means of the nose, right? Mm-hmm. So both the rhinovirus and the flu come in through your nasal passages. So if we can flush out the virus and the mucus, mm-hmm. the better off you are. And it stops a lot of people's sore throat that comes from post-nasal drip. Oh, yeah. So I have people that come into my office and a neti pot um, looks a little bit like a genie lamp. Right. Um, and you put um, preferably non-iodized salt in there with some warm water. Um, there's a lot of questions about what kind of water you need. Is it purified water? And and my take is, is if your water is well filtered, um, you can use that. Otherwise, you need to use filtered water because there's been incidents of people getting bacterial infections in their brain, amoeba infections in their brain. Um, well, but let's stop there. I mean, yeah. we have people in the Chicago metro area that still have well water, correct? which would have a, an awful lot of iron in it, which correct. could actually cause a problem also, right? Correct. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So yes, you You're always better off using highly filtered or purified water. Mm -hmm. It needs to be um, what I call baby bath water warm. You don't want it too hot. You don't want it too cold. And it's about a quarter of a teaspoon of non-iodized salt. You want to mix the salt in there really well. And then what you'll do is you'll place the neti pot into one nostril. You're going to lean forward at the hip and then tip your head off to the side. And what the water does is it runs up one side of your nostril and out the other, but it creates almost like a suction in your sinuses and it'll pull the mucus and the phlegm out of the side that's draining. Or the virus. Or the virus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
0: I've, I've tried it. it. It is something that is a um, unique experience. So <laughs> the first time you do it, you might feel like you're doing it wrong. Yes. Um,
1: and that, well, why am I doing this? But mm-hmm. it, it does work. It does work. And you need to know a couple of things with the neti pot. There should be no pain, right? If there's pain, we need to check um, how much salt you actually have in the water. And I know it sounds strange, but if it feels like you dove into a pool and your nose is burning a little bit, you need to take the pot out and probably put a little more salt in it. Ah. Most people think to dilute it, but it usually means that the osmotic balance is not quite correct in the pot. And we need to put a little more salt in there. Um, You shouldn't get squishy feelings in your ears. Then that means we need to um, do some maneuvers like bending forward or leaning off to the side to get the rest of the residual fluid out of your nasal passages so they don't push into your middle ear.
0: Okay. Okay. Besides, you know, the the neti pot and, and all these other things we just mm-hmm. talked about, is there really a good way to get rid of the flu once you have full-blown flu?
1: If you are managing symptoms well and you have the flu, i.e. they're not progressing into things like um, difficulty breathing and or pneumonia, Mm -hmm. um, you are welcome to fight the flu out. Well, Um, because it ends up building up your immune system, right? Correct. Exactly. The, The immune response that you get if you actually acquire the flu should protect you for the next 5 to 10 years Mm -hmm. against any upcoming flus. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. So are are there people that are more susceptible to getting the flu? Sure. Um, It's the people at both ends of the age spectrum. So Mm -hmm. young kids... And older adults. Well, the young kids because they share every germ and every toy, and they touch everything and put everything mm-hmm. in their mouth, mouth. Yeah. or in their eye-
0: touch their eyes, <laughs> yes, right? Exactly. And and then the elderly have the issue of uh, compromised immune system. Compromised
1: immune system, low uh, digestion and assimilation of nutrients is usually lower. So we see a lot of vitamin deficiencies. In our elderly population, specifically of antioxidants, and also older people have a tendency to be dehydrated.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and, and you also have the, those that have autoimmune issues, um, are dealing with uh, treatments for cancer, those kinds of things that they have to also be very careful. Correct. Yeah. What can you take over the counter, whether it's natural or not, to help fight the flu?
1: Sure. So to help fight the flu, I have a a small barrage of things. Obviously, you can take elderberry syrup, and we're usually looking at about taking about a tablespoon of elderberry syrup, about three times a day. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a recipe that we might be able to include for you at the end of this podcast of something called fire cider. Wow. Now, you can pick up fire cider in, <laughs> some, in some co-ops and in some stores, but fire cider is an old school recipe um, of using apple cider vinegar, some honey, and all of the things that you would think would make you sweat out a cold horseradish, garlic, cayenne, onion. It's all of these really intense herbs to kind of blow your nose open mm. and open up your respiratory passages, as well as that usually have pretty high antioxidant function. And you can take a tablespoon or two of that in some warm water and take it down like a shot. It will help boost your immune system. There's garlic in there. There's a lot of anti- a lot of natural antimicrobials that are in fire cider. Is it hard to choke down? It's a little hard to choke down. I'm not going to lie. It's not amazing. <laughs> (laughs) But Um, but the the result is... But the result is you feel better. And, you know, a lot of times when you have the cold or flu, you can't taste well anyway. That's true. So bonus, because you can't smell. Um, I usually encourage people to increase their vitamin D. The Vitamin D Council, for general people, recommends 1,000 IUs of vitamin D for 25 pounds of dosing. So we um, will usually increase that dose for people for a very short period of time. So we'll give them a bolus of vitamin D. Vitamin C we talked about already mm-hmm. as well where we'll give them vitamin C. I usually tell people to get buffered vitamin C because if you're going to take a lot of vitamin C, I don't want you to get nauseous. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm i a big fan of uh, steaming, you know, like old school steaming where... Your mom would sit you at the table with a bowl of hot water and some eucalyptus drops and put towel over your head and suck sure. in the steam because it helps to eucalyptus globulus especially um, has really great antimicrobial functions. You could do that in the shower, too, by putting it on the floor of the yes. shower,
0: doing really hot steam. Correct.
1: What about a sauna? Saunas, um, it depends on the kind of sauna and it depends on the temperature. Mm-hmm. So um, low-grade infrared saunas, somewhere around 115 to 120 degrees have been shown to increase the immune system. You just don't want to be in there for longer than 25 minutes.
0: So that is another kind of easy fix. If, sure. If you have access to yeah, one, Yeah, and right? if you have
1: access to a steam sauna. Mm-hmm. So is there
0: anything other than washing your hands? Okay, washing your hands and you know keeping your immune system up and running hopefully the right way. Is there anything else?
1: Um, well, you can preventatively take elderberry syrup. Mm-hmm. Um, you can take a tablespoon a day during okay. cough and cold and flu season. Um, keep your vitamin D levels optimal. You can take a small dose of vitamin C. Mm-hmm. Um, keeping any of your antioxidant functions up, mm-hmm. as well as optimizing vitamin D, is going to make um, a big change in your capability p- to potentially ward off the flu. Knock on wood, I haven't had the flu for about five years. Yeah, knock. Right? Knock. Really loud.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um So we've talked a lot about, you know, the natural things that we can do in order to prevent the flu or keep it at bay. Let's talk about the flu shot for a second, right? There's some controversy around whether it's effective. Um, Can you talk a little bit about the flu shot?
1: Sure. So I know that for the last, I think it's either four to five years, the CDC's sent out an apology to the general public about uh, the vaccine's only been about 30% effective. Mm -hmm. So the way that the flu vaccine is made is that as the flu is emerging this year, they look at what strains of the flu they're seeing. And what they do is they begin engineering mutations in that flu. And what they choose to do is they pick two to three mutation possibilities that they think that this year's flu is going to mutate into next year, mm-hmm. and they'll begin manufacturing next year's flu vaccine in the next couple of months. Oh, okay. So, it's kind of a mm, let's say crapshoot, right? Kind Whether of, yeah. or not that
0: that what they're going to predict is going to be effective for the next year.
1: Correct. And some years they do a great job in this and mm-hmm. some years not so great.
0: Yeah. So, so really I think um lesson learned here based on what we're talking about today is keep your immune system up, eat healthy, sleep, keep the stress at bay Good. and in you're less likely to get the flu,
1: Correct. or or even a cold, or even a cold. Yeah, we keep keep your keep your vitamin levels up and your antioxidant levels up where they need to be, and uh, keep washing your hands and wash them well. You know, keep yourself covered. I'm a big fan of hats and scarves in the wintertime, courtesy Mm. of Chinese medicine. Okay. um, So that you're just not getting cold wind on your neck where it gets all achy anyway. Mm -hmm. Dress appropriately for the weather, and especially as fall comes, don't be afraid to layer.
0: Well, especially because, you know, in Chicago in particular, in the morning it's 50, and by the afternoon it's 70, 80. So you do have to layer, or else Mm -hmm. you're going to be sweating, you know, in the afternoon and
1: kind and, of and cool at night yeah it's yeah. like we're the only town where you can use your heat and your ac on the same day <laughs> there you go all right thanks chris for helping us prepare for a cold and flu season great thanks trees for having me you never Stay
0: tuned to the ResU podcast here on WGN Plus for more episodes with ResU thought leaders and partners that will introduce unique ideas and ways to help listeners make choices that are influential, mindful, and impactful. ResU, it's amazing to be needed.